Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. Hi, I'm Annabelle and I'm absolutely fine, but I was going for another interminable walk today for my boring mental health and my <laughs> boring physical fitness. And as I, as I was about to embark on the walk, I thought I'd give myself a little squirt of lip balm, as I always do, part of my strange ritualistic, ritualised life. Everything's a ritual, have you noticed, Em? Yeah, and I also think that we're never like two seconds from a lip balm. I feel like that's our, our sort of credo. Well, for years I didn't bother, but in the last couple of years, I've reignited my sort of teenage passion with usually kind of strawberry or orange flavoured lip balms, inevitably Carmex. I'm a big Carmex fan. So I fished out my Carmex. I was in the street to give myself a little bit of a, you know, bit of lube and I gave it a little squish <laughs> and I don't know how to put it it basically just came all over me and the thing about comics it comes in pots but it also comes in the little tubes and they these little tubes have a bell end <laughs> with a little opening at the top and it, all over my jumper all over my chin and I actually felt a sort of shame. Did you feel sort of like like you'd been assaulted by your Carmex? Well, I just no, it wasn't that. I felt. I hope no one saw. I was. I thought. I hope no one saw that because I. It felt obscene. <laughs> I'm so mad, isn't it? <laughs> that is so mad. But also, it is such an invasion. And also, it's like, come on, like even you Carmex, like. Well, I was smearing it all over my jumper, smearing it down my chin, wiped off the cover up that was covering a sort of hormonal spot. It was a very unedifying moment. Also, you don't want to get anything on a jumper, I think. I live in jumper town. I, I fucked up one of my jumpers the other day and I'm so sad about it. I honestly felt like I walked around with a kind of, like a sort of de- like mini depression cloud for I like three days. I know, you boil days. washed it by mistake, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And I don't know what, I just had a sort of moment of madness and thought, oh, it'll be fine. Yeah. It was not yeah, fine. Yeah, but you know, even when you put them on a cold wash using only fabric conditioner um, and then lay them flat in a towel they still get a bit less lovable. And um, I read a thing the other day that said, basically, do not wash your jumpers. But then can we handle that? I can't handle not washing stuff. No, I know. The potential for just the stale smell or any smell just makes me feel all wonky. <laughs> like, really strange. Oh, my In God. Fact, funnily enough, when you just... Emily went for a just-in-case pee before... Um, this recording this podcast and we're at my house and I thought oh okay and I grabbed a packet of wipes and I ran upstairs because I'd noticed in the bathroom the outside the shower looked a bit sort of mouldy and grim and I've just been on scrubbing away with a biodegradable wipe on my hands and knees as you were peeing and I came back down la 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 nothing to see here nothing just happened but that's secretly what I was doing just now I love the idea of you like behind behind my back I'll just quickly turn around and it's not like the toys have come to life it's you are like wiping stuff down well I've it happened to me during lockdown, but I've become obsessed with dirt in crevices. Not only my crevices, but the surrounding, you know, the corners of the window. You know, the things where if you give it a quick wipe, you actually have to go in with, like, practically a sort of hard, pointy implement behind the wipe to dig out the grime. I know. And I sometimes you just look at something and you just think, oh, God, like, I just can't face it. That dirt. I know. Well, it's a constant battle for me between... I can't face cleaning it, and I can't face living Looking with at it. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you noticed the the side of the oven between the oven and the counter? That's a place of of dark design. I also noticed this weekend that my oven's got a little flappity bit underneath it where you can store baking trays and yes, things. Which apparently, by the way, is not for storing baking trays. It is 
to keep things warm, which I find incredible because I don't know one person who doesn't put a baking tray underneath there. And also, it's never warm. What <laughs> it is, it's fucking filthy. Okay. <gasps> the drips and the grease <laughs> and the... I mean, I went through about six biodegradable watches, <laughs> scrubbing, and I thought I'm going to have to get onto, like, white spirit and bicarb and, like, strange witchy potions with this because this is not okay. And now I... And I, I know it's there. Does it keep you up at night? I mean, what keeps me up at night, Emily? Something keeps me up at night. Do you think if I clean enough, okay. I'll finally sleep? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Ke- okay, so I'm absolutely fine. But Good. What recently kept me up at night is my was a sort of overwhelming desire for a pair of acid wash baggy black jeans. Interesting. <laughs> she says this because she knows she knows what's coming. So basically, I don't know if anybody else gets this, but this sort of where you get this sort of craving for like a fashion item. Particularly this time of year. It's getting lighter, your clothes look tired and bleak and awful. Every time you reach for something, you think, oh, this again. And at the same time, you think, I feel bad about saying that because I have clothes that are nice and whatever. And you've been careful and you've been, you haven't, you know, this has been the period where we haven't splashed out on anything. And then suddenly you're like, oh, twinkle, maybe I need a new this. So I suddenly thought, maybe I need a pair of acid wash baggy black jeans mm. and I lay there in bed thinking about this and do you know what I did everybody I literally went to see Annabelle <laughs> before I bought them because I thought I wonder if Annabelle has an opinion on this <laughs> now you'll be shocked to find out that she does have an opinion on it <laughs> and what was your opinion I about see... my acid washed baggy black jeans Annabelle? yeah yeah it's, it was it, yes I mean I see your point <laughs> so I'm trying to be nice. What I really thought was trying that to be nice for a second. Buy them if you want to look like an incel internet troll who's only left their basement to travel to a cosplay convention. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. Here I come, sir, forsooth, with my honour in my hand and my shield on my breast. And then you and became... my cape floating in the breeze behind my baggy black jeans, particularly if worn with an untucked, faded baggy black t-shirt. Which I had absolutely (laughs) no intention of wearing, but I also no longer have any hard on for a acid wash baggy pair of acid wash baggy black jeans. You can't even say it. I know. Well, it's because it's because I'm I'm so tormented by the idea that I went straight from kind of incredibly stylish, sort of cool, kind of slightly street kid to incel in seconds. Yes, I apologize. Thank you. Anyway, I mean, I I unfortunately didn't ask your opinion when I wanted to buy. A really, really pretty dress. I haven't bought anything in months and months and months. A really, really pretty sort of embroidery, sort of embellished, evening-y, party-ish dress. I thought, it doesn't matter that it has cutouts on both sides of the waist. <laughs> no one will notice these cutouts on both sides of the waist. It'll just be nothing to see here. It's fine. And I bought it and I was horrified. I zipped it up. And there were these sort of my flanks on either side. And and they were bright white and very, very much there. And not in an alluring way, in a sort of I mean they looked like I looked like they looked like they looked like meat. I mean it was it was horrible. But I showed you the dress. Well so you may think that the idea that nobody in their right minds would order a cutout dress, right? And when you said I've I ordered a cutout dress and it didn't work, I was like, um because it's a cutout dress. But actually you showed me the dress and the dress is so pretty I mean, and I totally agree with you. The cutouts on the sort of, on the model or, or in the photographs look totally innocuous. Well, like I know. Embroidered, practically like a prairie dress, you know, with yeah. cutouts. And I thought, yeah, no, absolutely. I can see why you made the mistake. But this is what feels, I feel like this wrong footedness yeah. by fashion currently. And it's partly driven, I think, by the fact that a lot of the, 
the clothes that we see in the shops now, um, particularly on the high street, are clothes that we wore when we were 15. So we automatically feel too old for them because we know that we're not. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Too old. We know that we're not 15 anymore. What is this thing about being too old? Yeah, I know. It sort of does it mean that someone will look at you and think you shouldn't be wearing that? Yeah. In which case, wear it because yes. it's none of their business. Fuck or, that. I agree. Does it mean that you're not that you anymore that you were when you would have picked that thing? You know, you're a differently nuanced you, in which case it doesn't make sense to wear it anymore. But it's a strange thought, I'm too old for that. Yeah, because I, I, it's definitely not something I want to align with. But there is, maybe it is, it is actually literally to do with our identity or our sense of self. But I'm slightly drawn at the moment to dangerous things. It's like, you know, we used to be attracted to dangerous men and now are we attracted to dangerous fashion? <laughs> I mean, for example, I mean, I don't know if this is, you know, this isn't life-threateningly dangerous, but I am quite seriously considering some white high heels. Either a boot or uh, or a high-heeled white shoe that I want to wear with a red dress and I want a matching white belt as well. Like Dolly Parton in 9 to 5, That's basically. basically all I can think of when, as you were saying that. I mean, so, discuss. It's, I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared of belts generally anyway, and I can't find nice belts. I think given you're scared of dirt as well, I feel like, yes. I feel like you're asking to be the universe to kind of torment you. What, with a, a white shoe? Yeah. But it would only be white suede that would... Re- I mean, trainers are white. That's also true. But there is something horrific about a grubby white stiletto. I know what you mean. <laughs> it feels very much like... Happy Valley, right? <laughs> <laughs> a single white stiletto left on the corner of the road. Slightly. Or, have you oh. noticed it's always a single child's shoe you see in the gutter? Oh, don't. Oh, yeah. So, so, so sinister. Um, the other thing that I was considering, because I thought it would like sort of pimp me up in the best possible, you know, French resistance kind of way, is just your bog standard Commonwealth Garden classic buff coloured fake Burberry trench coat. I do not understand the trench coat. I have tried. I've got one. I've got a very lovely one that a friend of mine gave me that was from a sort of a fashion offcut, like a designer. And it's great, but it's a little bit difficult. Sometimes I look fabulous in it and sometimes I look it's like I'm investigating. It's yeah. the colour. I think that particular buffy beige, which certainly makes me look like a cadaver. <laughs> you know, fashion. however many roses I try to paint on my cheeks. <laughs> yes, fashion cadaver. Just, just, and also slightly like a cloud with a bit of string tied around it. Because the temptation is always to, you know, belt it very tight, corset yourself into it. But that doesn't really work either. If you wear it loose and flowing, then you look like a flasher. So I can't find a way forward with a buff coloured trench coat. No, I, th- I find them really complicated. I find actually this difficulty with coats generally, which is that I love them. But if you put them, that you always have to take them off. And then, and then you never look... If you've got a really great coat, then you want to keep it on for as long as possible. How do you square that? Because underneath is never quite as good. Well, this is I mean. the thing. At the moment, I have no clothes that work for me at all for various reasons. They almost without exception look weird. My shape's changed a bit. Um, but I have got two really good coats that amazingly fit. So I try and wear sort of almost nothing underneath so they can stay on. So you just keep them on, mm. whatever. Also, that actually, I have to say that... For you, that works because you're 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 always in perpetual motion out of the door anyway. So, I am always trying to leave. So, it's true. So so the, do you remember when we used to work in you know nine a.m. to six p.m. five days a week in an office and I keep my coat on relentlessly yes. all day and also insist on having the desk by the door. Oh my god, I've just remembered that you were always wearing the coat. Mm. Okay, so 
fashion that I'm dangerously attracted to that isn't dangerous. Okay. <laughs> yes, there's that as well, isn't there? <laughs> Which is, I think, a, again, another sort of, another complicated phase that we're going through in terms of what I really want a wool waistcoat. Well, if full disclosure, <laughs> you have at your very fingertips a few wool waistcoats, don't you? Courtesy of what your husband's... Grandmother. Dead grandmother. Dead grandmother, yeah. I already wear my dead grandmother's, her, his dead grandmother's Jaeger shirt, which is fantastic. But now I've I've inherited some wool waistcoats and they're absolutely, they're fantastic. They are kind of piped around the edges and they do have that <laughs> troubling German patriot from the early 1940s vibe without wanting to embellish further. I think the thing about stuff that's so, so square, like you know, that we would think of as, as, as square, like, like waistcoats or even pearls. Yes, Which, pearls. you know, I'd love to wear pearls. Is, is, do you think you do have to be very, very young so that you can therefore signpost with your, you know, embryonic age that you are being ironic? Because they're so un-rock and roll. But otherwise, it just looks like you've, you've given up or you're, at, you know, you're sort of wearing therapy cardigans. Yeah. Well, I know the idea of wearing therapy is quite, exactly like the wool waistcoat's got nice little pockets. It's incredibly cosy, keeps my body, you know, it's all those things that it's sort of practical and also old fashioned. And I think, unfortunately, if I wear, if I do that, then I look practical and old fashioned. You will honestly look like you're constantly volunteering in a church. <laughs> Which, you know, is also not 100% far from the truth. So it is that awful thing where I want cosy, like my, the fact that I've been committed to being on the taupe Boston Birkenstock waiting list for six months yeah and when I get them eventually I will look uh, you know like I'm sort of shuffling off you'll look like granny smurf yeah yeah those are the Birkenstocks with the with the sort of bulbous covered toes yes. which are unbelievably comfortable so comfortable and so cozy and I, I think... know what you're going to do you're going to try and wear them with sparkly socks to try and kind of like hipster it up a bit aren't you yes yeah well I've got to try and prove that somehow I'm a little bit rock and roll well, I think Birkenstocks have that woven through the fabric of their yeah, DNA, maybe. actually. I think you'll probably be all right with those. Okay. But I know what you mean. And also, we want shoes that are glamorous, but also orthopedic. And Birkenstocks almost do that. They almost I mean, do they're that. they're not orthopedic, because I'm not sure they're very good for your feet. But they look orthopedic, so that's <laughs> half the battle. <laughs> Can you imagine? That's so funny. The other thing that we were discussing the other day is double denim. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really into the idea of double denim. I keep, like, putting things in baskets. All I do with my life is put things in baskets online anyway and never buy them. But... I double denim. I, I, I'd like to look, you know, like again, probably a sort of young Dolly Parton. But I know, well, it's straight to the Tiger King. <laughs> Here I am. Yes. Here I am. I nearly did triple denim the other day, and I wondered whether that was just illegal. How does that work? Well, jeans, and then a kind of faded denim shirt, and then a denim jacket, and then I was like, "This is insane. Why would you do that?" To Someone yourself? told me they had a four-piece suit the other day. Denim? No, this was cord. Wow. Trousers, waistcoat, jacket, and pants. Apparently. <laughs> Cord pants, as in underwear. <laughs> Apparently. Oh my god. Okay, that would be something. That would be something. That would be something. But um, but you know, um, slip dresses are back. Those old Mark Jacobs style slip dresses. Jesus Christ. I know. Why is that woman left her house in her nighty? <laughs> oh dear, poor her. Imagine. I mean, pro- probably this summer, if you know, if you could, you'd wear a slip dress with the Birkenstocks. Exactly, and a cardigan, and a wool waistcoat, and and I'd be so happy. You'd probably wear them with white high heels, and then we'd be in all kinds of trouble. I mean, really, that is incredibly happy, Valley. <laughs> about to be all recently murdered i mean just terrible but you know we ask ourselves all the time don't we what's acceptable what is acceptable what's it? new york magazine did that massive what was it called again how to behave. do you know how to behave do you know how to behave and it was asking lots of questions giving lots of answers about you know what is acceptable and what isn't with human interaction really now so 
So we thought about it. You know, for example, Emily said to me yesterday, do you think, is it acceptable to send an email or a WhatsApp or a text at any time of the day or night? New York Magazine thought that it was acceptable. Well, I mean, I think it is acceptable as long as you don't mind that people resent you for it while thinking you're slightly unstable. (laughs) If someone sends me a text that lands at 3am, I think that they're, you know, in emotional trouble and or on drugs. I I now put my um, phone on aeroplane mode at night because I have to look at it through the night so much because I'm awake so much through the night that if something arrives and hits the wrong note and it's much more likely to hit the wrong note at 4.30 in the morning than it is at 9.30 in the morning, then I'll be fucked for the rest of the night, like properly fucked. But the responsibility, I think the point of the question is, is who is the, you know, the onus is on the person who has the phone that the message is being sent to, to have it off. But that's a bit like, that's a bit like if someone makes a violent pass at you, then it's your problem because you're the one that owns the body that's having the pass being made at it. So that's I, true. I, I think I fundamentally disagree, actually. Oh, do you? Interesting. Yeah. So but I do don't... whatever you want because it's not an act of violence, generally, it... sending a text. But just know that people won't like you for it. Well, so I, who is a chronic people pleaser, was so relieved when I saw that because for me, I wake up, often wake up and go, oh, fuck, I forgot to text so-and-so. So the idea that I have now permission... But to you, like you send don't it. Text people at three a.m. Not at three a.m. But I do. I would like text work people at six a.m. when I'm up, and I know they're not because they're all in their twenties, and I'm, you know. Yeah, six a.m. is different. Also, sending emails at three in the morning, I would definitely do that if I've woken up and forgotten to do something. But then I don't. Well, I think emails are a bit different because I, th- I think are people marginally less likely to feel ambushed by an email because they won't check an email in the same way. It depends on your. It depends on how your alerts go on your phone, doesn't it? Yes, that's also true. But the point is, is that I never feel that someone who sends a funny timed text or WhatsApp or email is in any way wrong. You or... do feel that they're wrong when they send you diary invitations, though. No, what I feel is... This is an advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Now, you guys know that we're not shy about getting things off our chest. The tiny inconveniences that can ruin our days to the big, overwhelming worries that can flood our nights. Trouble is, we all got into the habit of saying, I'm absolutely fine. Emily and I added the but specifically to get off autopilot and give ourselves the space to say what we were really experiencing. But we weren't always so free with our inner furies. A few years ago, I began experiencing debilitating panic attacks because I felt I couldn't tell anyone all the things that I was feeling, that I was not coping, that I felt like a failure. I was so ashamed, so I kept it all bottled inside. And of course, it started leaking out. It was only when I found a therapist and began sharing those doubts and insecurities with her that the panic began to dissipate. Because therapy can be a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. With over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise. And our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash midalt. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com slash midalt. Better help. Because sometimes the best thing to do is acknowledge that we are not, in fact, absolutely fine. So diary invites discuss, okay? So the other day I had two meetings that I showed up to, virtual meetings, obviously, that I showed up to, the people didn't show up to. And afterwards they're like, oh, well, it wasn't in, I didn't have a diary invitation or it wasn't in my diary. And I said, oh my God, I have to deal with my diary and your diary. Mm. I do not like 
diary invitations. So you don't, do you mind, re- you say you, you resent the idea you might have to send them to people yes. in a meeting, but do you mind receiving them? I don't even know what to do with them. Are you, are you meant to say yes? Are you meant to... You s- press accept and it goes in your diary. I find that quite reassuring, but I do think that what we do all have to learn to do is confirm. Yes. On the morning of, because when people don't show up, it is infuriating for you and embarrassing for them, because really, unless they're a sociopath, because presumably they haven't done it on purpose. So I think... A personal policy of confirmation is probably quite a good one. Okay, what are the rules for cancelling a work thing, do you think? How much notice should you give? I think the day before is fine, don't you? Because people are cancelling, like, mad at the moment. I find that we can't hold on to a meeting to save our lives. Yeah. Just slipping through our fingers like sand. Yeah. I wonder if people are so last minute in terms of what they're juggling that meetings just get put in and then they can't do anything about them. What, it, what do you mean a virtual meeting? Yes, or, I think I, this is the problem yeah, with virtual meetings yeah. is that people just go, oh, well, we'll just gather, gather everything together, boom, that's it. They don't really count virtual meetings. But I think, but people do it with actual meetings as well. Yeah. But with virtual meetings, they'll do it 20 minutes before. That's yeah. the difference. Yeah, it's true. Um, but there's always, you know, there's always someone who wants the meeting more, isn't there? That's the problem. So you think, oh, no one minds. There's always someone who kind of might, thinks they might get something out of the meeting and someone who's just, you know, going along yeah. because, you know... I think people often don't mind actually being cancelled that much. What about when it's not work? What about when it's it's friends? I mean, New York magazine was very clear that you, if you want to cancel dinner, you've got to do it by 2pm on the day of. 3pm is too late, has to be by 2pm. I would add to that that if someone's cooking, you've got to do it the day before. Yeah, I totally agree. Before they get their million pound chickens or whatever. And I think just as you said, with the confirming, I think one should always confirm before 5 p.m. because otherwise there's that awful kind of weird like almost intoxicating thing at five where you're like have they forgotten you're hoping you're going to have a night yes another another night, <laughs> another in. night in. and inevitably it lands at 5 21 saying can't wait to see you later so i think we should need to confirm and cancel earlier yeah yeah i think that's true um and i i i spoke to someone last week who was going to a dinner I spoke to her on Friday. She was going to dinner on Saturday night at a friend's house. It had been in the diary for about six weeks. And she was, and, and the text had landed saying, can't wait to see you at 8pm. And she was like, 8pm? 8pm? It's so late. And I would say, well, the thing is about going to someone's house, it's not what time you're asked for. It's what time they feed you. Okay, for me, this is like a major thing. I need to know what time the food is going to be. Because if you're asked for seven, they, some people still will fuck around till 9.30 before they shove something in front of you. And then your window to leave gets pushed later and later. But also, if you don't drink, two and a half hours is quite a long time yeah, to yeah, sit yeah. in someone's house. I mean, I suppose if I had to create a rule, I'll say feed them an hour after asking them. So if you ask them at 7.30, feed them by 8.30. You can't really feed them before that because some bastard's always late. Also, if you say 7.30 for 8, I mean 7.30 arrive, 8 p.m., I'm going to feed you. That's my thing. I think historically that's what it was. It does I'm not mean sure. that. I think now it means... It doesn't think... mean here's a half an hour window for whatever. And then... No, that, it does mean that now. Oh. I think I feel ah. like... I don't know this for certain, but I think it was originally designed 7.30 for 8 o'clock dinner. But now if I see 7.30 for 8, I think it means arrive between 7.30 and 8. If it says 7.30 for 8 to me, I'll usually arrive at 10 to 8 and hope to eat at half past 8. Okay, well, that's a good rule to, to stand. But this person who was um, panicking on Friday about her 8pm Saturday night dinner was also saying, oh, but I'm very tired. Oh, but I'm a little bit wobbly this week. Do you think I should send a text just going, um, oh, I'm, I might not stay that long. Um, I'm not feeling that well. And I said, no, don't do that. Definitely don't do it the day before, but, but don't do it because I think what you're doing really is really killing their vibe and they're about <laughs> to make an effort. Do you know what I mean? What yeah. do you think? Well, I... I, all, I understand it. I you're understand. fluffing your cancellation, basically. Well, I think it depends. If you're fluffing your cancellation, I do, un, do feel like because 
sort of actual interactions are now so rare one really worries about being on form I've left so many social engagements recently really feeling like oh my god I wasn't my best self I wasn't funny I didn't kind of remind people how lovely it was to see me I was just a bit like oh a bit a bit flat and I hate that feeling so do you think your friend was trying to do that or is she basically saying I need to be out of here by 9 30 or yes. 9 45 yes well then I think that's a no yeah but I think telling people that you're not in the best of form is totally fine at the beginning of a, an engagement maybe do you think? I, I think it's, I would say, it's a, it's a funny one, this. It's a bit like, you remember when our friend Daisy Buchanan, who had her book launch party, yeah. and said, if, you, if you're not going to come, fine, just don't tell me. Yeah. Because it'll make me sad. On the day. Yeah, don't tell, don't tell me on the day. Yeah. I think that maybe, so, so what do you do on the day if someone's, you know, busy, you know, sweating over a hot stove? Do you send a message saying, I'm not on very good form? No, I think definitely not. Or do not. you get through the door and say, hi, I'm so happy to be here and I'm really excited. I might not stay that late. Yeah, I think you do that. Yeah. I think that's fine. I think everyone understands that. You do yeah. your best for your hour, hour and a half, two hour window. And then everyone understands having to go home. Also, how long should these things last anyway, for God's sake? I mean, we're a bit late, long for dancing on the tables till two in the morning. Well, I mean, you, you, you know, you never know if it's going to turn into a kitchen disco. I mean, it rarely does. Speaking of which, yes, I had a disco ball in my house and I walked down the stairs on Friday morning and it had smashed to smithereens on the floor. No, I didn't even notice. Well, and I didn't know if that was the universe giving me some terrible sign or not. But imagine if someone had been standing underneath it. No, but there's so many things horrible about that. I know. It feels like a really, really bad omen. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's new beginnings and the shards of mirror all over my house impaling themselves on my foot. It's just a, a good sign of things to come. Yes. I mean, normally we would say it's the angels, but I mean, I'm not sure what the angels are trying to do there. Um, if you ask people to dinner, is it acceptable to order in? I know what you think about this. I think yes slash almost preferable. <laughs> Definitely. I also think that you can't make people pay. No, <laughs> I think that's the problem. If you order a takeaway in your house, unless it's very much pre-arranged, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. let's all go to Emily's, we will order a takeaway, we will split it. Yes. If you arrive and you go, oh, I've just got some Lebanese food on the way, then I'm afraid. Here, here are my bank details. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's terrible because there was always who was it who was there was a sort of restaurant critic who was very funny about driving across town to have someone's terrible chicken you know um, and I think um, terrible stress infused yes, chicken exactly stress infused I, I, chicken I find cooking quite useful if people ever come over because it means I can sort of have my back to them and not have to fully commit to sitting down at the table for the whole time. So the plus side of, of, of a takeaway is until the doorbell rings, you can just be sitting there having a glass of something cold and chatting, and then you plonk it on the side and put out some spoons and plates. Other sort of mini, is it or is it not acceptable? Is it absolutely fine to say no partners? No partners. Do you know What if... you can't say is some partners. Agreed. But the problem is, is some people are married to horrific people. So let's say, just in theory, you might have an old friend or a few old friends married to really, really terrible men. Okay, and they might be terrible because they're boring. They might be terrible because they're vicious. They're just terrible. That means if they come, you have to ruin two other people's evenings because who is going to sit next to them, let alone the people opposite them and who have to talk to them, you know, be, you know, before you even sit at the table. Okay, out and about. Oh, Okay. Gosh, really? Yeah. Terrifying. Terrifying. This is terrifying. I think this is why this is important. I think this is why this really triggered me when we were reading it to, into thinking about these things. Because actually, I feel like since post-COVID, post-pandemic, and I know we don't, we're not supposed to say that, but I think the rules have changed. 
I don't know if the rules have changed, well, but I think our feelings have changed and therefore the ways to handle them have changed. So I suppose maybe that is rules. But our, I mean, Our context, whatever. So for example, um, name remembering. If you can't remember the name of the person that you're talking to, do you style it out? Do you... What does that look like? I don't know. This is what I'm saying. Obviously, I prefer not to style it out, but how bold can you be? How, how can you be like, I'm really sorry? I have absolutely no idea who you are while they're talking Well, I to think you. you can be charming and lay a hand on their arm and say, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm now so perimenopausal <laughs> that I remember everything about you except your name. But there's, I think there's probably an elegant way of doing it, which is, let's say, person X is standing to my left and I have no idea what their name is. I could say to person X, oh, you know, you know Emily, don't you? Yeah. And assume person X will stick their hand out and say, hi, Emily, I'm, you know, name. Yeah, I've been in that situation where name hasn't said name and every, now nobody knows their name. And the which case you say, I'm so sorry, I must go to the loo. <laughs> I'm so sorry, I must leave you X and name. Does anyone need a drink? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I do think the perimenopausal card is quite useful in this sort of, in this circumstance. I'm so sorry, I've absolutely no idea. I can't even remember my own name, let alone who who you are. Yes, Perfect. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's not bad. Okay, how to take a compliment. Oh, I am so it? bad at this. Well, I think you're supposed to say thank you, aren't you? But doesn't that sound really thank you? Do you know what I am? Um, yes, because we're, 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 what we usually do is oh, this old thing, I hate it. I look like I, you know, or, but stepped no. in a pile of dirty <laughs> laundry, you know. I'd be run over. I'm always really impressed when someone goes, oh, I really like your dress. And someone goes, oh, isn't it nice? I really like it too. I think that's And then you can amazing. both sort of enjoy or enjoy the dress together. Or you say, oh, you've made my day. Isn't that nice? When you just say, you just you sort of reward someone for paying you a compliment. Then they'll yes. pay lots of people more compliments and you're spreading the love around. You go, you've completely made my night. I was feeling really worried and I'm so glad you like it. And the other thing about compliments is, I think you should spread them around like manure. If someone pays someone you know a compliment, call them the next day and pass it on or text them. Okay, but... You have a. You would always say to me, "What exactly did they say?" And then that makes me feel terrified. Yeah, that's because I'm remember. a terrible person. But you know, that, <laughs> I still would have got the general vibe of someone said you were nice or someone said you were interesting or whatever it might be. Because I'd have to actually write down exactly what that person said. No, I wouldn't. I think I agree with you. I think pass on compliments and tell people that you know that you really appreciate them telling you yeah rather than immediately deflecting it with a compliment which is what i would normally do like yeah. oh no you are yeah oh yeah. you are so clever and brilliant yeah you know yeah i've lost weight recently and that's a complicated one because should you ever comment on people's weight loss and i think the answer is probably no because i don't like being congratulated for making myself smaller or taking up less space in the world but then i do like an acknowledgement of 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 looking good so I suppose if someone says you know you look great yeah then that's I can't object to that that's just kind of glowy and lovely thinner rather than yes you've lost loads of weight how have you done it or I suppose that's the thing isn't it you look thin is not the compliment you look great as a compliment yeah yeah I think it is complicated though and I, I I I agree I think it's I think now it's sort of very problematic to kind of assume that people look better because they, yeah. That's the problem I have with it, exactly. What about if someone starts telling you something you've heard before? Oh, I think New York Mag had something on this. If someone starts telling you a story you've heard before, you have exactly two seconds to say, I've heard this before. But then, of course, you would have to think of a tactful way to say that, which would probably be, oh, yes, this is hilarious. Or, oh, gosh, I remember when you told me this, horrifying, rather than 
yeah, you told me this before. Yeah, I know. Which so is you have so to do, squashing. It, yeah, it is pretty It is pretty difficult. Sometimes I think we just have to ride it out. If you're not concentrating, you don't get in there within two seconds. You have to listen to it, laugh at the funny bits, cry at the sad bits and move on. What happens if they're retelling it in front of someone? You, is it acceptable to go, I'm just going to go to the loo or would anybody like a drink? No, I think then you have to... <laughs> no, I think if they're telling a story, let's say it's a funny story, yeah. in front of a virgin listener, you have to laugh even harder at the funny bits <laughs> and fully support the telling of... Full, okay, fully support, almost act it out, almost like feed them lines. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't insert yourself into this story. Exactly. Okay, fine. This is not about you, Emily. Okay, damn it. Okay. <laughs> no, you're trying to be helpful. All right, should you ask someone what their job is? Well, at a dinner, at a dinner, as a stranger, you're sitting next well, to Well, it's just a pure friend thing. It's in no way a sort of work thing. I think the sign of a successful evening is if you've managed to sit next to someone all night, at no point does anyone utter the slightly dispiriting phrase, so what do you do? Yeah. Because even though nice people like you will ask because you're interested, yeah. I think a lot of people ask because they just want to place you and work out how interesting you are and how important you might be. And where does it really take you? And also, it's one of those awful questions, so how's work? Yes, I it's agree. It's a bit like, so how's your love life? I know, but you might be sitting next to an explorer and then it's really interesting. Well, then the explorer might choose to drop that into the conversation. Okay. Or the conversation could be even more scintillating than, you know, Tales from the North Pole. That's also true. It's in which possible. case you're flying. In which yeah. case, that's treasure. Yeah. Okay, so this is my next question. When is it acceptable to ignore people? Uh, now, this is really hard for me, but I think it is acceptable to ignore people. And I would actually, I would like everybody to have a deal. Well, sometimes it's actively polite to ignore people. That's yes. the point. It's kind. For example, at an airport. <laughs> yes. I think yes. it's very unkind to acknowledge people at the airport <laughs> because they're all on their own literal and metaphorical journey with all the <laughs> shit that goes with that. Never. Oh, hello. Where are you going? Where are you staying? Oh, God. You know. No, everybody's already too much in air, airport mode or airport mode. One eye on the screen, yeah. one eye on boots. Also at the gym. I think it's totally acceptable to ignore people at the gym. Yeah, if you occasionally I'll bump into someone in the class and I think you just sort of do a quick nod. Yes. And you're, what you're doing with that really is acknowledging that you will not look at each other in the mirror at the front of the room once during the class. For sure, for yeah. real. The other thing I, I think is, and I've, this has happened to me recently, when you bump into people in the park on your stupid little your mental health stupid walk. stupid little mental health walk. <laughs> and you just wave and point at the phone. Yes. I.e. like... But what you're really saying is, this is my time, guys. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. This is my time. But you can't say that because then you look and sound, you know, as insane as you clearly are. Yeah, exactly. Also on the commute, what do you think? I think on the commute, you can ignore people, work people. It's okay. The commute, I think you are literally in your own personal tube when you're on a commute, aren't you? Yeah. You know, you, you that A to B thing, It is even though you're surrounded by people, you have to form a little bubble around yourself. Yeah. And also, commutes are awful. But they do also create psychological space between home and work. Yes. And working for home is fine. But I find that when I have those days, a couple of days a week, when I'm running around and out the house from, uh, you know, the morning to the evening, I come back feeling a lot more stable, yeah. actually, a lot more settled than I do on the days when I'm just sitting here on Zooms by myself, plowing through stuff. And it's interesting, exactly, if you don't have that time to kind of like unpack, unwind or kind of recalibrate i.e. that's because someone said hi oh my god it's so good to see you how's work going in fact there are millions of questions that you one shouldn't ask because mm. um, you're psychologically preparing yourself either you yeah. know to to go to work or to leave work and go to whatever is happening at home so it's very intrusive actually yeah and some other quick things which i think is really um never correct people's pronunciation no, what kind of dickhead are you? Or dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Dickard. <laughs> I think you'll find it's pronounced. If you look at the etymology of the word. 
Oh my God, honestly. Like there's, in South Ken, there are these roads called Stanhope Muse, Stanhope. Yeah. Stanhope, apparently, according to some fucking bastard at some point in my 20s, who I probably slept with. Yes, of course, I probably slept with him too. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, never correct people's pronunciation. Also, don't ask for big updates. You know, it's a bit like, okay, so the worst, okay, I think here's, okay, here's the worst thing you can say. I think we should probably end on this, actually. So tell me about you. Yes. How's everything with you? Yeah. It's really hard. I think it's almost aggressive. It's not conversation. How do you answer that? Don't you think people will update you if they feel like they need to update you on the big changes? If they're changes? American, maybe. Maybe. I, you know, like... But I think it's proper laziness. I think it's throwing someone under the bus to say, so how's everything with you? Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I know that might be controversial, but just don't do it. So we will not be asking you that question, listeners. I would rather someone said, How's, what's your favourite pasta shape? Or what did you have for breakfast? I can answer those. <laughs> I think what do you and have then for we breakfast have a, lovely, a great conversation. But then we can have a lovely conversation about ideal breakfasts and all that sort of stuff. Maybe next time we record a podcast, we should do like acceptable conversation starters. Conversation starters. Yeah. And on that, we can end. See you soon, guys. Bye. You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Middle. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. Hi, my name is Kay Adams and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process. So I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.